0: It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm. Back to the show! Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. And guess what? You don't have to die at the hands of a shape-shifting clown to join. No, all you have to do is tune in every Friday as us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. Each week, we'll either spend hours reading between the pages of one of his books or chew on his latest tweets and Hollywood headlines. What's more, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Mick Garris, Jerry O'Connell, Mary Lambert, Will Wheaton, and the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network.
2: Hello, all you beautiful pod people out there on the internet. I'm your host, Leo Phillips, and this is another episode of This Must Be The Gig. Welcome back. If it's your first time... Hello, this is your backstage pass to the world of live music and I am so happy you are here. As you know, festival season is still in full swing and swanging about and I'm busy in the middle of traveling around and I just wanted to share this amazing conversation with the brilliant David Dave Wine of Chromio. Dave Wine and his compatriot Patrick P. Thug Have been running the festival circuit this summer as well. They tour so much. So if you have yet to see them, get out, go out, dance out. I actually was lucky enough to catch Dave on the phone and not at a festival as our hypothetical ships crossed in the touring night. But uh, before we carry on, I just wanted to check in with my engineer and producer. That was very whiny. Adam. Hello, hey. <laughs> Hello, hey.
0: Hi.
2: How has everything been going whilst I've been great. away?
0: We've been keeping Chicago extra warm for you.
2: Oh, uh, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone to any festivals myself, but let me tell you so many amazing, eccentric summer Chicago performances. I've got Matana Roberts, the oh, amazing jazz musician you. on tap.
2: We love at the Art tap. Institute of Chicago. That's coming up. You got on tap. And
0: tap later. We've got Circuit to you uh, doing a, a live score to Salome.
2: Oh, that's going to be so wonderful. Who else is coming up?
0: Sea and Cake at Millennium Park. I believe that. Uh, did I miss that? Oh boy,
2: you, you might have. It's oh so boy, many,
0: so many fantastic live performances in untraditional spaces.
2: Have you ever seen chromio before?
0: I have. Let's, let's draw festival, you back in.
2: in <laughs> have you? Yes. <laughs> One of the best things, obviously, they're the self-proclaimed only successful Arab-Jewish partnership since the dawn of human culture, that's in inverted commas, um, they actually have real chromio instruments on stage now. <laughs> yeah. It's the most amazing thing. It's all
0: chromiod up.
2: It's all chromiodoed. All
0: chrome everything.
2: And, uh, so so let's talk a little bit about the history. So they burst onto the scene.
0: Their debut came out in 2004.
2: And that was She's in Control. It was kind of inspired by funk and soul and
0: hip hop. They so were they were producing more. before that, so it's it's got that real luxe sheen to it.
2: And I think like for every bit of over-the-top Lothario cheek and kind of 80s obsession, they bring this really palpable joy and clever dance style to songs like, what's your favorite? Fancy Footwork?
0: I'm a big Jealous I Ain't With It fan.
2: (laughs) I Ain't With It and Night By Night. So if you have yet to listen to them, then check out those songs. You are welcome to pause. No, don't pause this don't pause it
0: bring up a second browser listen to the music at a low volume in the background while Open you're listening up to the podcast
2: multiple tab
0: multi-tab No. google chromeo
2: google chromeo <laughs> <laughs> but say google in your google search yes cuz that's how you google,
0: don't you? Google,
2: google. Google, <laughs> google, google. So they they really do bring this entire formula to life on stage. I have to say, it's just one of those bands that have that quintessential dancey festival vibe and they have all the chrome-covered stage decor. They've got keyboard stands shaped like women's legs, not my legs cuz my legs are much shapelier. <laughs> And Dave, I can say that about my own legs. Yeah. I have big calf muscles. It's from all the steps.
0: And kicking.
2: <laughs> and kicking. Flailing at dance parties. Also, Dave's got this cool leather swag. I think if you're ever feeling remotely down, so even just a hint of grayness in your life, say no to gray and find Chromio. But really, find your nearest Chromio concert. And it could honestly be the best dance party cure that you're looking for. Or actually, better yet, take a listen to our little chat. You know, we, we discuss the band's origins, inspiring his younger brother, renowned DJ A-Track, a potential adult chromeo album in the future.
0: Which is a fascinating topic. I like that
1: mm-hmm. idea.
2: And also his hope to produce for the one.
0: The only. Minsky. Mitsky,
2: who everybody knows. Can you that imagine I love. a
0: Chromio Mitsky?
2: I can actually imagine that. That's... I don't even think Mitsky knows about. No, she doesn't know about this.
0: I think this is going to be a fascinating year for Chromio.
2: Um, Dave is really generous in telling us his hopes and his dreams, and he was a delightful guest. And he also reveals some other secret plans that I will keep a secret because you, Un-
0: until you listen, don't
2: deserve. You hear now?
0: Just listen and then you get the full secret.
2: You get the full secret.
0: (laughs) Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TMBTG Pod. Pod. TMBTG Pod. TMBTG Pod. Rate, review on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts. And to that
2: one person who gave us a one star, guess what? I love you.
0: If you want a shout out in a future episode, send us a message on Facebook twitter instagram we're starting to collect some messages we're going to start giving some shout outs at the beginning of shows
2: we've actually already had some incredible listeners of this nice little fine podcast reach out and send us their stories so send them on down i put the me in chromio this is me and dave enjoy enjoy
1: Are you Australian or or Kiwi?
2: I am neither. I'm the in between, so I'm from South Africa.
1: Ah, I should not
2: know. <laughs> Very nice. Well, we've only we've only been on the phone for a few minutes, so I, I'll I'll That's give right. you a break. We,
1: ba- we we barely know each other.
2: <laughs> exactly. How long haven't you lived in Montreal for?
1: I moved out from Montreal in
2: 2002. Oh my gosh! Do you miss do you miss home at all?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I, I go. Actually, that's a lie. I do. I miss my family. I miss my my old school friends and stuff. But, you know, New York feels like home to me as well. So I guess I got, you know, because I've been in New York like 16 years. So I guess I got two hometowns now.
2: Yeah, exactly. But it's amazing that I suppose it's still close enough that you can go visit family without feeling like you on the opposite end of the world, you know?
1: That's right. That's
2: right. Yeah, I'm in Chicago now. So I'm very far from my family.
1: <laughs> it's far. Yep. It's, it's, it's a ways away.
2: Why did you decide to have the studio in California not in New York?
1: It's just so much. Well, first of all, it's so much cheaper and yes. there's so much more space.
2: Mm-hmm. There's like
1: so much more space and there's so much more opportunities to like work with other people. Because like, you know, on Head Over Heels, our whole idea with Head Over Heels was to make a collaborative album. You know, in California, it was just really easy to do that. And it's, it's the kind of space that we could never find in New York. I think, I think ideally what we'll have is like, we'd like to have like a little writing room in New York, just like a very, very, very rudimentary setup in New York City. where We would just write with like two or three keyboards. And then the whole studio's in LA. And we've got a bunch of projects coming out of that studio. So it's good to have like a real home base.
2: Yeah. you have projects on top of just releasing the album? What, are you, what else are you working on?
1: We're working on this web series. Like, I've never Ooh. talked about it before, but we're working on this web series where basically, like, somebody comes into our studio and, you know, we've got, like, the rooms with all the analog synthesizers, like, like, floor to ceiling and stuff. And somebody comes in, like, another musician, and we just basically, like, it's almost like a cooking show, but for music, like, we just jam <laughs> and make, a, and produce a song together, oh, you know, wow. but it could be, like, it could be anybody from, like, You know, it could be an EDM producer, it could be like a funk guitar player, it could be a vocalist or whatever, and so every every web episode would be like one person. And we could, you could watch us, like, basically create the song together. You know, just be a fly on the wall during that process.
2: And you know how much the the internet loves to be a fly on the wall. So that's perfect. You're, like, digging into everything yeah. that people absolutely love.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: That sounds incredible. So when, when are you going to be launching that? Or have you already started?
1: No, we haven't started. We're going to start shooting as soon as we're done with the tour. Ah like in october
2: that's wonderful and well i'm so glad to hear about that as
1: soon as we're done with this phase of the tour i
2: think that that's such a great thing to be able to do especially because you are collaborative by nature so to have people coming in yeah you know and having that as an option i think is going to be it's going to be wonderful i hope so <laughs> so what do you mean by this phase of the tour just the next couple of months that you're going to be touring
1: yeah, I mean, like, the, the the phase two of the tour, I guess, ends, like, um, in early October. Or actually, no, in early November. But, like, then we're probably going to have phase three next year and stuff. So, you know, we just keep adding. We tour a lot, obviously.
2: Yes. I've actually, I was looking the other day at your at set list FM, which is obviously not the most accurate. But it kind of gives, us, you know, me a little bit of a hint of where you've been touring all these years. And there there's a show at least once a year since 2004, if that's correct. But I'm sure you were touring, or at least play, you were playing in bands before 2004.
1: Maybe, but like, we've been, as Chromio, we've been touring since about 2005, 2006 or something. You know, and, and I guess, you know, the touring started getting, I mean, the tour keeps touring keeps getting heavier and heavier, more and more involved and stuff, so. Yeah. I mean, we're just, we're, we're a touring band, you know, it's a big part of our business.
2: Yeah. Do you still, I mean, well, let's go back to the beginning. Do you remember that first tour in 2005 or 2006, as you said, do you remember that first show that you ever did together?
1: Definitely. I mean, I remember all the first shows P and I did. The first show we ever played together was in Montreal. Um, The second show we ever played was in New York in the early days. You know, obviously like we would just, Back up his, his Toyota RAV 4 and, and, and drive wherever. The first tour the first tour we were actually on was I want to say it was 2004. It could have been two thousand yeah, two thousand four maybe. The first tour we were actually on was opening for an indie band called the Unicorns, and we were second out of three, and the first out of three was Arcade Fire.
0: Actually.
1: Oh wow. Like, technically, Arcade Fire were opening for us. For you. And, and, yeah. And, I mean, that was, you know, when they were, like, literally just, like, an indie band, like, straight out of a Montreal basement or whatever. And then our first headline, quote-unquote headline tour, same deal, was, like, on the West Coast. I want to say, like, summer of 2004 or, yeah, somewhere around there. It could have been 2000. Yeah, I don't remember. But, yeah, it was just P, myself, our best buddy from back home, just driving around, You know, nobody was coming to the shows. It was like we're playing for like 30 people, but but that's how we kind of cut our teeth. And, you know, that kept going, like just building gradually, I guess.
2: Obviously, as you mentioned, you said that you're a touring band, but did you ever think that from those little, you know, gigs to 30 people in the beginning that it would grow to what it is today? Did you feel that confidence with P from the get-go?
1: No, no. I really didn't. The, nope. I, we just we just thought everybody hated us. Yeah. Nobody really got it, and but you know we were having fun. Like it's actually P's birthday today, so ah, you know it, it sort happy of. Happy
2: birthday.
1: So you know P and I have been music, making music together since we were kids, really, and we just told each other like, okay, if this doesn't work, we'll try something else. But at one point it started working. You know when we put out our second album, when we put out the Fancy Footwork. People started caring about us, I guess. So then it changed everything and we were like, Okay, I guess we could do this, you know? And it just we just kept building on that.
2: Yeah, I think there's something obviously incredibly charming about being a little bit self deprecating about your own work. So I think that it's actually quite important to have that perspective. If, I agree. You know? I,
1: I agree. And a lot of people a lot of people don't like somehow sometimes that gets lost with Chromio because, like, exactly. I guess because, you know, we're, we're two dudes and, like, you know, maybe on stage we exude some sort of confidence or whatever. But, like, in reality, we're extremely humble. Like, you know, we never, we never won a Grammy. We never got nominated for a Grammy. We never, you know, like, we've never really, you know, we've never, we only had one song on the radio, really, in North America. Like, we don't have crazy accomplishments under our belt yet aside from like a really solid touring career and and a devoted fan base that has allowed us to be where we are now. So in reality, like we're really humble guys. And by, by nature, the music we make is so indebted to the music of our idols that, you know, we view what we do as like kind of just a vehicle to spread the funk, like the funk funk music and soul music and disco music has existed way before us and and we're just like one of the many vehicles that people can listen to to enjoy that music that music is bigger than us you know so self-deprecating is one way to put it of course but just in general like humble and grateful grateful
2: yeah i think that's important but as you mentioned you know there's accolades that other bands accrue you know they they bring that in to a lot of their work that they do, they wear it like a badge. But the bands that, as you said, that people are loyal to, you know, listeners don't need that. Listeners don't need to know. Like, like, I'm not going to listen to a band just because they won a Grammy. If anything, I'll probably maybe steer clear. It's like that Oscar, you know, the Oscar thing. It's like Oscar movies are usually not the ones that people will go back to over and over and over again. Yeah. So it's a strange... But do you feel like people have kind of seen you in a different light over the last few years, and how has that really changed?
1: Honestly, honestly, I still feel like in some cases, I mean, the th- here's the thing. Like, I'm going to be honest with you.
2: Yes, I like
1: honesty. I don't think we make it easy for people. I don't <laughs> think we make it easy for people. What, to because like you? <laughs> not to like us. Okay, good. No, a lot of people like us. I don't yes. think we make it easy for people to really understand what, you're doing. what the band is about sometimes mm. because our music thrives off of ambiguity mm. and that's been the case since we started Chromio like when we started Chromio people were like wait a minute are they serious are they joking is this tongue-in-cheek or like do those guys really love the 80s and like what's up with the legs the women's legs like yeah is it like is it like an homage to women or is it like weirdly borderline sexist? Are they objectifying or mm-hmm. are they the object? Like blah, 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 blah. And we play into that, you know, like a Jew and an Arab. Is that really what they look like? Like we dress, you know, the way we dress. Yeah. It's actually the way we dress in real life, but it's still crazy. Mm-hmm. Like if I saw me and P on the street, I'd be like, oh my God, what do you, like those guys look like, like a cartoon, you know? Mm-hmm. So we we play into that and we've always loved bands that play on that kind of ambiguity and that humor. And so obviously, you know, when you have that, it's it's not like you're not going to be taken the same way as Leonard Cohen or right. King Bush right. or, or Bon Iver. You know what I'm saying? Or,
2: or, yeah, no, or, I or, you. or, or
1: you see what I'm saying? Like, because obviously there's such a, there's such, there is a humor component to what we do. There is a self-aware component to what we do. It's more like the bands that we always idolized are bands like the Beastie Boys, uh, ZZ Top, um, Kiss, you know, bands that, that play into a character.
2: Is it the actress? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's what we love. It, it, it we enjoy that because for us there's a performance built into it, you know. So
2: I think that's an important point.
1: Yeah. yeah, so we don't make it easy for people, and so in a lot of cases, it's like, you know, our music can be enjoyed in a in a very kind of immediate, visceral sense. Our music can be intellectualized, but our music also can be written and, written off as just some goofy shit. And that's the price that we're prepared to pay to do something for us that's like challenging. And for us, the challenging thing is like, how do we pull this off?
2: Yeah, especially in this day and age, I suppose, where genres are, of course, crossing over, melting with one another. It's difficult yeah. to say or think yeah. to what you know you enjoy playing
1: but also like we give ourselves challenges you know we give ourselves challenges like with every album it's kind of like a different adventure and we're already working on some stuff that we're going to release next year and that's going to be in a different vibe altogether than head over heels yeah. you know so so like for us it's just like we're just evolving and kind of giving ourselves new challenges as we go along
2: what do you feel like are the biggest challenges that you've gone through most recently like especially since the you know you came out with the album just a month or two ago a month ago now yeah yeah so what do you feel like are the challenges that you as an artist you've been doing this for a substantial amount of time now so what do you feel like you've been going yeah
1: but it's like how do you how do you make funk like when we started this kind of music, when we started making this music, we're the only ones almost making this kind of music. So it wasn't hard. Cause it was like nobody else. It was wide open, you know, but like, like now, you know, you've got a lot of people that reference the same sources of inspirations that we reference, And it's like, Bruno Mars is really good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. he's Really good. And he makes good funk music. Like his last album, has a large funk influence and it's great. He's great. And then on the other hand, um, Thundercat is really good. Oh my good.
2: God, he's is amazing. incredible. Yeah.
1: Not, not as incredible as Chromio. Just kidding. <laughs> um, <I'm laughs> you. But he's, he's phenomenal. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's amazing. And he also makes, I mean, he's mostly, I would put his music more in like a jazz realm, but still it's like jazz funk or whatever. So, it's like, how do we stay unique and how do we stay true to ourselves and how do we carve out a space that is specific to what we do when you have other tremendous artists out there that also make funk music, that also make kind of disco influence music, you know? So that's a challenge. And then another challenge is like, you know, we look at our last albums and then we'll say, all right, what can we do differently now? Like, it, you know, this was album number five. Like, it was like, OK, well. What can we do different and hopefully better than album number four? And so on album number five, we're like, okay, well, we've never collaborated really. We've never done like a collaborative album. So let's do that. And then that's like a learning curve. You know, we didn't make it easy for ourselves. We could have just gone back in the basement and done like a me and key album, like we've done our whole lives. Yeah. But like, it was like, okay, let's try doing this. Let's try to like curate a series of guests, both musical and vocal that could kind of like come into Chromio World and, and, and bring something to the table.
2: It's interesting. I think, I think especially with what type of music you're making, I really love the point that you brought up earlier by saying how dance music or funk music or in that realm of music is not often taken very seriously. If you listen to Beastie Boys, you can hear within the first three seconds that it's a Beastie Boys song. Yeah. And I feel like that's obviously as a dance act, that's exactly what you want. You want that person to feel like yep. like oh this is a Chromio sound, you know?
1: I mean people can hear you could I'm sure you could I'm sure you hear a song and you're like, Oh, that sounds like Chromeo. Oh, totally, you know, like you, of course. And if it's not if it's not Chromeo, it's either a song from the eighties <laughs> or a song from a group that basically listens to Chromeo. Yeah. Of <laughs> you know course. And that's like,
2: exactly as you said, like you almost paying homage to that and now other yeah, people are yeah. doing the same, which I think is there's nothing better, right? Than to have that kind of yeah. influence on other artists. But yeah. I like hearing that you know what is out there as well because it's difficult with with artists of any kind irrespective of whether it's music it's difficult to hear that they have no perspective like you know those people who are like oh i don't yeah. listen to anything i'm just I on my own everything yeah you have to, to everything. yeah
1: i love it but it keeps me on my toes exactly it keeps me on my toes and, yeah. it, and it keeps me competitive and it keeps me inspired really yeah.
2: Exactly. I think that's important.
1: And it also like when I say like there's new challenges, like for us, you know, it's like I already know what I want the next phase of Chromeo to be because I'm out there listening to stuff and I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do next you know so because
2: I know that the two of you had a record store Mm -hmm. but that's something again that totally makes sense just chatting to you now when you started that record store did you know you wanted to get into music or were you just at the phase of like I need to be around music and I don't know what it is yet
1: it was a group of friends in Montreal we had like a little circle of friends and we felt like there wasn't like a record store out there that that catered to our tastes and and our needs and we wanted to kind of you know, just uh, Put that stamp on our city It was still small at the time And, and that's, you know we, we grew up in record stores Like, record stores for us Like, I'm 40 years old You know mm. what I'm saying? So, I'm old No, so you're like, not
2: old I was just waiting for you to go Well, I'm old No, nope, you're not old You're good
1: All right. you got,
2: well, you got loads of time
1: <laughs> When I was a teenager Record stores Were like my internet Right. they were my connection to the world they were where i could learn about things discover things and it was like not only a musical experience it was a visual experience because i could see the artwork i could learn about like who plays on what record who's you know i could speak to somebody so that's why i think for us we wanted to do that and now with chromio we're at the phase like slowly but surely in our career where we want to also share knowledge like that's why we started the Funk Lords radio um, playlist on Spotify to kind of just share some of our favorite records. And I think we're working on a radio show on Dippo's channel on Sirius. So like, there's all these other things and like the, the, the web series I was telling you about, and also like we're going to be producing for other artists also like in the fall and next year. So we're in a way we're in a place now where like, we're like, all right, how can we be generous towards our fans or towards like another generation of musical fans in the way that we felt like our elders were generous towards us, you
2: know? No, I hear you. And especially having that experience when you're younger, it just feels so authentic that you just went into that industry, you know, it just makes so much sense. And looking back now, what's great about you being around for so long is that you can look back now and it's five records, but you have done so much in between. As you said, you've toured the world. And there's so much in between, and meeting people on the way. But and... in a weird
1: way, we still feel we still feel like we have so much to accomplish. So am that's, sure. that's what's weird about us is like we really still have the same hunger as we did when we first started, and maybe that's because we haven't had certain accolades yet. I don't know, but we really have that hunger yeah. and that drive because we want to keep surpassing ourselves and keep accomplishing more things. I really feel like this last album, like Head Over Heels, in a way. Like it bookends one chapter of our career and then there's like a new chapter that's about to start. Because we want to unveil like a bunch of different facets of Chromeo next year.
2: But I also think that especially now that you're on tour and really servicing this album, is there any way that everything has changed on stage? Because I believe that I haven't seen you on tour yet, but I will be in the next few weeks. But is there anything different about your stage performance or the stage setup?
1: Definitely. I mean, yeah, if you see pictures on our Instagram and stuff, like our stage setup is like the biggest and the craziest that it's ever been, you know, like it's just like it's a big show and everything. It's basically Head Over Heels is like a continuation on stage it's like a continuation of the language that we started on white women on the previous album where everything on stage is chrome and we have like kind of like this very elaborate stage design that's got like chrome reflections everywhere and like a whole light show built into it and all our instruments are chrome as well
2: oh wow so that's pretty cool you'll see it i know i can't wait to see but was there any convincing on your end in terms of like to your manager, to your team, to the record label—was there anything that you had to convince them to to help you out with? Because this sounds quite elaborate. Sounds nobody sounds helped big. us out.
1: We had to we, we had to convince the bank to give us a loan so that we could sell. <laughs> oh my bank.
2: gosh! Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you did some good convincing. I can tell you that. Yeah, we.
1: I mean, we. You know, it's an investment, and, and we of did course. that. But then again, I think like you know, in the future, there could be, like, an entirely different configuration for us, you know, so it's just going to keep evolving. That's
2: really important. Do you feel like, especially in the last couple of years, with all the changes in in the sound, and, I mean, you have experimented a little, there is, you know, like we were speaking earlier, there is a Chromio sound, but do you feel like that is when you were younger thinking about making music, was that where you thought you would be to continuously change and shift and, and push yourself?
1: Hmm. I guess that's what I aspired to. Cause I just wanted to be like the Beastie Boys, <laughs> you know, I mean, like you that's all I, like Beastie <laughs> Boys and Tribe Called Quest. Like yeah. those are like, and I guess I would, I would anxiously await their next albums. Like it was something like I couldn't wait to listen to them. And, yeah like of course there was evolution but i don't know you just live with your favorite artists you know and hopefully what's cool now is that like we can communicate with our fans more directly and we can we can give them more stuff it's not just an album it's a bunch of videos and you know tv performances or like just posts where we literally talk speak our minds and stuff you know so i guess there's more ways who knows (laughs) i don't know i mean i just want to keep putting out more music
2: yeah no i i hear that and i love that fire and i love that passion did you see the beastie boys
1: yeah we're friends with them um, ah,
2: cool. we
1: were just on on mike d's radio show on beats one like a couple of weeks ago Oh,
2: wonderful so when was the first time that you saw them them live oh the
1: first time we saw them live was at Lollapalooza in 1994 oh wow <laughs> but, but okay. then in 2007 they asked us to open for them. So that was already That's like, nuts. all right, I can die now. Yeah, you know.
2: Were you nervous at all? Did you think that you were going to just like faint on the stage?
1: No, uh, no. <laughs> we, we wanted to make them proud, you know?
2: Of course, of course. Do you remember your first show that you ever saw back in the day when you were a teenager? Do you remember... Do you remember what the first show Let's
1: say, let's put it to you like this. Like, okay. I went to a couple of concerts with my parents or whatever, but nothing, nothing that really marked me.
2: Okay. But okay. the
1: first show, the first show that I went to that marked me was when I saw Jamiroquai. Oh,
2: wow. I love Jamiroquai.
1: 26 years ago, I saw Jamiroquai in Montreal, and I was with Pete. Oh. And I think that really, like, it changed my life because it was the first time that I danced. You know, yeah, like I I didn't even know what because I I wasn't really like, you know, I grew up listening to rock music and then like the hip hop music or whatever. But then like when I got into funk, I didn't know what dancing was like. I, I always thought dancing was corny. Like I didn't really know what dancing was. And when I saw Jamiroquai, I couldn't help myself. And I looked crazy, like people were laughing at me. All my <laughs> friends were clowning me and stuff, but I couldn't help myself. And I, I, I—that's when I saw like the power that that kind kind of music can have.
2: Especially because he's just come back now. If you would have said that a few years ago, people would have been like, "Who's Jamiroquai?" But for me, he was huge.
1: Nah, Jamiroquai's been—we've uh, been talking about Jamiroquai. We've been yeah. talking about Jamiroquai. Right? Jamiroquai's been—that's our dude. Like, our, our—we wanna. Like, we'd love to work with him. Like, he's
2: our hero. This is your public announcement if Jamaica yep. hears this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: yep.
2: Dave wants to work with you. That's really wonderful to say that. Like, so, I think some people underestimate dance music in that sense, and and how people, when they're younger, they think, oh, well, just because I like hip hop or just because I like rock music, I can't get into anything else and there is a special that special moment where you just release which i'm sure is what you see your fans doing at your own shows there's that moment where you just let everything fall
1: yeah and it's so crazy because a lot of our fans like a lot of our diehard fans they're not even necessarily electronic music fans like right like they like metal (laughs) they like they like rock music i don't know what the hell they like but like I just am so honored that our music has a place in their lives. You know what I'm saying? And it really doesn't matter what else you're into. Like, I don't, you know, Chromio, like, we're we're everything at once. Like, we're an electronic music band. We're a funk band. We're still kind of an indie band in spirit because we came up with the indie scene. You know what I mean? Like, we're a Montreal band, but we're also a New York band. We're a live band, but we're also an electronic band. And we also DJ. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, we can fit in anywhere, so anywhere that they'll have us, we'll take the opportunity and go, you know? Do
2: you feel like there is a show, like just speaking about the Jamiroquai show and how you just kind of let loose and went yeah. nuts, do you feel like there's something of a, maybe a show that you played, you and P played, maybe was there something that you yeah, felt yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, this is what they're feeling, you know, what I felt?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, I think, like, I think there's a couple of shows that we played that were generational moments but i never knew that until now five years later when people come back up to me and were like yo i saw you at such and such yeah. and that shit you know was incredible like when we played the madison square garden with justice oh my or like God. the you whatever that was called like it was Chromeo and justice That's and nuts. dj meddy in 2007 in new york wow and that was a moment you know that was a moment but actually man i don't know like there's so many of those like you know When we did Coachella main stage in 2014, that was a moment. But then when we played Coachella in 2011, that was also a moment because people still talk to me about those shows. It's just a bunch of them where, like, they come back and people bring them up to me again. So I'm like, oh, man, I guess for some people this really meant something. I mean, I hope we can keep having those, you know? Oh,
0: my
2: gosh, of course.
1: But that's why we also got to stay fresh. Like, I can't – we can (laughs) never – rest on our laurels and and feel like we've accomplished everything because we still even though like we're five albums in like to me like we just have so much more things we can offer
2: which I love especially because you can appeal to you know the younger generation now but as you said people there's diehard fans that knew you from the moment you started which I think is incredible that you can bring them along for you know it's over a decade
1: now but I want to I want to bridge a gap like I want to bridge a gap because I listen to like younger like indie artists and i love them i'm a fan of them so i reached out and i was like all right can i let's work like we'll give you guys songs
2: who are the indie artists that you that you're thinking like, you like know oh my god do i know Vetsky? i love her yes
1: okay so for instance like i've been following her forever but like the last song she put out is like almost like it's got a disco feel mm. to it you know
2: right okay so
1: i was like I hit her up and i was like yo let's do some sessions like and it's not a money thing like i'm i'm not gonna charge mitski for a song no, i'm course. just gonna give her songs like i just i don't care i just want to give them to her i i have it's like that's not a it's not a check for me it's literally i love her music and i would be stoked if she if i could produce a song for her and you know uh, she wrote back and she was like, are you serious i was like yeah let's <laughs> some time so, you know, somewhere like that, like, and that's unexpected. People don't think we would do that, but we will and we want to, you know.
2: I think that people don't necessarily think you wouldn't. I just think that it's not something that you've done in the past. So they wouldn't think about, they you know exactly. what I mean? They wouldn't, they wouldn't have it in their forefront. But I think that
1: exactly.
2: obviously dance producers are notorious for collaborating. Dance music in general yeah electronic music you talk about justice you know carl cox all these people yeah of course they had a way of having this kind of electronic realm around them that you it was almost impossible not to you know underworld and gosh there's so many that we all grew up with you know back in the 90s that you feel it totally makes sense that you're doing that but i suppose what's incredible is that you can pick and choose which artist you want to work with and having an artist like Mitski which people wouldn't assume you would work with I think is that's the sweet spot you know that's like the money spot I think I
1: want to work with all these groups, kids like because I, I love what they do I'm a fan and it's like if they if they love what we do then again there's no even better it's a pure gesture on our part to say that we appreciate what they do and like we want to if we can contribute anything to what they're doing great like you know what i mean that's me listening to music all day like yeah every time i hear something then i'm like i tell my management yo hit hit the people up i want (laughs) to i want to do a session with them so where's this
2: time of exploration for you when is the time where you find yourself uh, being able to listen to a lot of music is it on tour on the road or is it actually just the times between
1: anytime i'm in bed anytime i lay in bed so yeah. like when I get to my hotel room until before check or when I get to my hotel room after the show, anytime I lie down, then I get into my music.
2: And that moment where you're walking on stage and you've been like sitting in your hotel room waiting the whole day, you've been at sound soundcheck, you, you know, you're waiting for the gig to start and then you get onto stage. How is that moment where you see everybody waiting for you, you know, and you're just about to begin?
1: You know, honestly, it's just like focus. Like, because you're like, okay, let's make sure nothing goes wrong. Let, let's let make sure. Because, you know, our set, like, there's a lot of moving parts. Like, there's so many lights, so many keyboards on stage, so many things that could go wrong, you know, two laptops. Like, you just want to make sure everything goes right and you can give them the best show. That's it. That's all I think about.
2: Has something gone
1: horrendously wrong? Thank God it's <laughs> never been horrendous. Thank God it's okay. never been horrendous. But, like... Yeah, we've had, like, I remember one time we were playing outdoors and we got rained on so bad. That, like, everything oh, broke and we had to stop the show. You know, like, we've had some, but it's never been, I don't remember. There must have been a few where there was a bunch of technical problems, but.
2: But you have a good team. Do you work with the same team? Have you always worked with the same? No,
1: nah, no. Nah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the what we call the crew, which is, like, the personnel that travels with us, they sort of rotate all the time because they got lives too. And they, they're not going to wait around for four years until Tomio comes calling again. So now they, I mean, we're building what our team is going to be for the next couple of years, but now they rotate. I mean, we've got people that we've kept, but yes. you know, they, they also have their own things. So.
2: Absolutely. Do you feel like you and P have like done the same thing, like had some sort of pre-show I don't want to say ritual as such. Is there anything that the two of you do before you go on stage or even maybe after the show is finished?
1: We just know our roles, you know, like P is going to go and check up on the stage, make sure he oversees the technical aspect. I'll figure out what the set list is. You know, we just talk to the crew, make sure everybody's ready in their positions. And then P and I kind of like, you know, discuss a little bit what the vibe is tonight. All right. What are we thinking, cool. What are you wearing? Right, this is what I'm wearing, okay, this is what we're wearing, cool, let
2: that, and then let's go. Yeah, so it's kind of like clockwork with the two of you, because that's an amazing partnership. I think also, other than perhaps people underestimating you, I also think that people don't realize how having that team for so many years is so valuable to the music you make, to the art you make, you know, I think that that's really important to call out.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we do have, like, a. there is, like, a team around us, like, you know, my younger brother, A Track, mm-hmm. is like a huge part of Comeo. We have the same art director for 10 years. Her name is Charlotte, and she's been working on our, like, with us on our image and our art direction for so long. You know, obviously, managers and stuff. So, you know, of course, there's like an extended family. How's
2: it working with your brother? I didn't even think to ask. I've just, like, known this information in the back of my head. How is that?
1: People don't even realize how much we work with each other. Yeah, like, I
2: don't think they do. Yeah, like,
1: he executive produced. Um, head over heels and I co like he's putting out a single this week and I co-produced it and I did the art direction for it you know like it's just I don't know it's really symbiotic we do everything together him and I so
2: is he younger or older he's younger but was he always interested in music or did he kind of see what you were doing and it, it you know jolted something
1: within him well no I, I made him start DJing I'm oh. the one who made him start DJing but Then he became a track and I was still just in school and stuff. And like, you know, I I decided to do music full time later. He was already well, you know, well established and stuff. But I'm the one who made him start DJing, but then he took it and ran with it. And then I was I didn't really think I was going to be a musician professionally until it kind of became a reality. And then I was like, all right, I'll do this too, you know. Now we're just inseparable.
2: What else did you think you would do if you weren't going to be a musician? Well, I was an academic. I was an yeah.
1: academic. Oh, so yes, was... you
2: have your, you have a PhD, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, not, not quite. But you I teach? was working on my PhD and I was teaching. So, oh, wow. you know, I was, so I had a whole other life, so to speak.
2: Is that life non-existent now or do you teach? As well?
1: No, nah, it's non-existent now. Or it's dormant. Maybe I'll I'll get back to it somehow. But right now it's dormant.
2: What is music full that, you know, maybe academics might not necessarily do for
1: you? I've always done music and I've always been into music. So I don't even know what life is without music. But I think that, like, with Chromio now, I'm able to do, like, the stuff we were talking about before. like, And even when it comes to, like, videos or art direction or any kind of, like... You know, mentoring and, you know, even on on social media, when we speak up about issues that we're passionate about, I think that, you know, music for me is just a platform thanks to which I I can thrive and explore all kinds of other interests whether they be design or art direction or video directing, visuals, photography, styling, you name it. And
2: I suppose touring is an extension of that. So the fact that you have toured so much, I can imagine you sound like somebody who's infinitely curious. So going to all these different countries around the world, I can imagine has been unbelievably inspiring for you as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it can be, you know, if I have time, hopefully when when in a good day on a good day, I'll have time, And I'll be, I'll feel up to, you know, going to a museum and then that's just amazing.
2: Is there a country that you love playing? Like, obviously, other than, you know, North America, where you've done most of your shows, is there a country around the world where you've had a really good fan experience or just a really good tour?
1: Yeah. South America, we don't get to go often, but like Brazil, Argentina, Chile, like I, I wish we could go back. And Mexico, even though you know Mexico closer to home is all, always amazing for us. But like when we played in South America, when we did our first and like only South American tour like six years ago, it's like an experience I still cherish. So I hope we get to go back. I
2: think especially because they are also very vocal fans from South America, totally. are, are, and I totally from, being from the Southern Hemisphere, I totally I that resonates yeah. so much. I think it's because yeah. not a lot of bands. There you go. You know, not a lot of bands nope. tend to travel to, you know, South Africa, South America. That yeah. It's difficult because yeah. it's expensive and the logistics are hard. Yeah. And you, you know, there's Crazy. language barriers.
1: Yeah. Uh, just the logistics. It's cost yeah. kind of prohibitive, you know. Yeah, exactly. you got to make it happen one way.
2: But how do you travel with, So with all these beautiful chrome... Instruments nah, and all these lights. How can do you only travel? travel
1: to Europe, but yeah, they, it would be very hard to travel. I mean, we'll figure something out, but it's complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah, <laughs> we do stripped down versions of our show every time. So mm-hmm. We have to. There's no other way.
2: Because you're in it now, what kind of value does touring an album like Head Over Heels kind of hold in your life right now? How important? Because I know you've, you're working on all these things, but Yeah, but the
1: touring is like, for the next couple of months, that's going to be like, just surviving that is like my main focus. And then once that's done, then we can think about other things. But like, that's definitely at the forefront right now. You know, just giving the people the best show possible and, and working in new songs and just like, evolving and such like that like the main focus how
2: do you get the excitement every night <laughs> it doesn't even make sense in english but...
1: because some people pay their hard-earned money to come see us like how right. I... even if i'm not excited i'm gonna act excited and then i'm gonna get excited because i'm gonna see them being excited <laughs> there's no way that i could take anything any of that for granted because they took the time and paid to come see us so that alone That gratitude fills me with enough excitement for me to put on the best show I can. Even if I'm feeling feeling shitty that day, you know, provided that we're healthy and okay, then we're going to do the best we can.
2: How do you keep yourself kind of, especially because it's such a dance-heavy show and with the album coming out and you really want people to get excited, how do you keep that energy going when you're on tour non-stop day after day how do you we,
1: we, we have to it's hard it's really, really hard because you're not sleeping you're not eating sure. well like it's tough it's a challenge like we we burnt ourselves out and we had to cancel like three shows in australia and we told the fans like look like we need to rest we haven't rested for like six months like we need to take two weeks and chill please understand like it was only three shows we, we don't do this often but we need to chill instead of taking one week going to australia and coming right back and doing more shows it's going to damage us in the long term so and everybody was understanding of it you know
2: but how hard was it to make that decision was it somebody else that said to you listen dave you need a chill or was it you like the my management
1: management 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 it was extremely high
2: but what were you feeling were you just burnt out or were you feeling slightly down like how how was it affecting you yeah we're
1: just not we're not feeling great and it was it was beginning to worry them so they it's were like it's difficult
2: okay. it's hard to navigate especially from our side of things that i say our as in even though i am a music critic and music journalist i'm still and i'm still a listener and fan above anything and i think that people sometimes are not as forgiving as you'd like them to be when people cancel tours based on exhaustion because they like, wait, come on, you do this for a living, you should be excited. You're
1: right, but it is more and more, especially with like increasing awareness about mental health and exactly. stuff like, I think more and more people are understanding that.
2: What do you feel like are your unrealized creative ambitions? Like the things that you feel okay, that's you haven't good, tapped all right, into.
1: all right, all right, all right. I'll tell them to you, exactly. Our unrealized creative ambitions. Okay. <laughs> so number one is, I think I told you that, is like producing for other, like, sort of up, not up and coming, but producing for other artists. That's a big one. But like a lot of people are like, oh, you guys should produce for pop artists. I'm like, eh. Like, whatever. Like, I'd rather produce for Mitski, really. Like, I'd rather give Mitski a song than give Rihanna a song. Like, you know, I love Rihanna, but like, I like the personal connection. So that's one thing. Another unrealized creative ambition is to put together a Chromio live band. Ooh. But that's happening. I just can't say more about it just yet. But that's okay. happening. Another unrealized Chromio ambition is... Can I ask you how old you are? Sure, I'm 32. All right. So we're that's 32. Cool. All <laughs> right. So you're 32 years old. Right? I'm old. Nah. <laughs> so I want to make... Like, this is going to be, sound crazy, and I don't know how to say it, but I want to make, like, a Chromio adult album. Good. So by this, I don't mean I don't mean adult contemporary. I don't mean – it still has to have some of the quirks and some of the humor that we're known for because that's part of what we do. But I want to make a, an album, a Chromio album, that you, at 32 years old, when you have all your girlfriends or your group of friends over for dinner, you could just put on and it, it not, it's a dance part. It's dancey, but it can also just be like enjoyed in a more mature, sexy, sophisticated way. Right. We have songs okay. like that. We have songs like that. But I want to make like a whole album that's that vibe. And that's not boring and that doesn't lose our sense of humor yeah yeah you have
2: amazing. it I, th- I think also just to be to make sure that there's a differentiation between what you put out there so like having the dancing totally. stuff reserved for a big coachella Lollapalooza, you know experience yep. and then making sure that you have that listener at home kind of into yep. it as well i think that that's important yeah, you got, well, I'm you excited. Now you know everything. <laughs> you know everything <laughs> well, if are. I had another 10 minutes, I could really get down to the court now. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble, and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and The Kickback for our theme song, Rube, and buy their music at thekickbackband.com. Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design and the Consequence Podcast Network where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at pod. And generally just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you all